Welcome to the Unapologetically Fueled podcast, where we talk nutrition, identity, performance, and the psychology behind it all. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. I have a super special guest today, Miss Ruby, and it is just such an honor to have her on this podcast. She is such an inspiration to so many through her social media, TikTok, Instagram. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to have some really good conversations today. And um, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself, Ruby, just kind of your name, social media handles, um, what you do for fun, stuff like that. Yeah. Hi, everyone. So my name is Ruby. Um, I'm at realistically.ruby on TikTok and Instagram. And then I also do have a podcast. Some people don't know that. Um, Yeah. The Sunny Side Up Pod with Ruby. What I do. (laughs) Thank you. So what I do. um, Well, right now I'm a student. I'm in high school. But after high school, I'm pretty sure I want to go to school for sports dietetics. Um, I'm kind of leaning in that direction. I'm not totally sure though. And I do want to run collegiately. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure if I kind of missed my window um, just because of my situation, which I've have heard a lot of stories of walk-ons and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to just be open to whatever happens. Um, I would love to run pro for a running company. I don't know. I have lots of dreams and stuff. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know where life will take me. And then I obviously, as I said, I love to run. Um, that's my, that's my sport. Definitely. That's my thing. And then something that I kind of really found in recovery that I also love was art. Um, I love to paint and I've painted before, but this is my first year taking an art class. And so I really kind of just discovered how that can be so like grounding just to paint. Yeah. Absolutely. I think art is so awesome finding that in recovery just because it's like another creative outlet, like besides yeah. in school yeah. and it's like kind of like soothing that part of your brain, but also like in a different way that you find and it's so beautiful. So you should post some of your artwork sometime. So I, I've been thinking at the end of the year, my teacher keeps all our pieces in her classroom and she puts them in a portfolio, but we get them the last day of school, like all our pieces throughout the year. So I think I'm going to um, post about them when I get them. I just don't have access to them right now. Oh my gosh, you yeah. totally should. I want to see those. I will go hype them up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you like to paint too, I don't know. This is like, okay, this is like so off topic, but um, I love, I found um, when I was going through what you were art and I also found paint by numbers and I still do those to this day I'll put on like Netflix you know it's like that productivity part of you like the runner in recovery like it's still yeah. like feels that but it's also like it relaxes you so yeah I recommend yeah. artist sloth paint by numbers <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah so that's awesome well thanks for introducing yourself um so if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing a little bit about your story, um, just as much or as little as you want to kind of just like where, what your background is and like where you are in, in recovery and just how you've inspired others. So, yeah, so I started running right when the pandemic hit, actually, that was like my boredom hobby. Um, I was like, I'm just going to try this because I'd never been into running before my mom had put us through like she put us all on a run club when I was really young and me and my brother hated it all that so for me to start running was quite unexpected the way I like committed to it and I kind of that was my way of pushing myself to do like go on with the day especially 
you know, we're all in quarantine. There's nothing to do, nothing to get up and be motivated for. And I started running. um, And then I started my TikTok, but it was way, way, way different. The content was, I don't even, it was not anything that aligns with my values now. Um, And so I started my TikTok and I kind of got into like, you know, healthier eating and I went vegan um, a few months later and that kind of like I enjoyed being vegan the first few months I was and it was a very wholesome like I want to help the animals you know Mm -hmm. the environment and that really like showed me it opened my eyes to how like wide vast amount of recipes there are and how to cook with all sorts of different ingredients and it really like pushed my family to more of a plant-based kind of way of eating Mm -hmm. and then that kind of just became my sense of control along with running and that just kind of fueled this disordered and then it got worse and worse and you all know how the story goes from there absolutely yeah and so that probably continued for this January was when I started recovery and it was not on my own free will actually I was kind of, I knew I had a problem by then. I'd accepted it kind of. um, And I'd started to tell my mom, but I didn't actually say the words eating disorder to her. I just kind of dragged it out and hit it a bit, but without hiding it. I was like being half open and vulnerable with her. I wasn't telling the whole story. And, you know, so I I have a Garmin watch. Um, I love it. It's definitely something I feel like, because I have it, it makes me more of a runner. I don't know. Like, oh, yep. Feel that. Yeah. yeah. The watch fan's coming in already. Oh, heck yeah. 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 <laughs> Which one do you have? I have the 245 Forerunner. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. And so I got this watch for Christmas. And honestly, when I got it, I was kind of scared. I was like, is this going to really push me further into bad disordered eating? You know, because I was already quite deep. And I have an Apple Watch, but I took it off a while ago because I was like, I don't need this. Um, but I was like, maybe a Garmin will be different because it's more focused around running versus the whole like activity, fitness rings, close your rings on an Apple watch that really led me down an eating disorder path. And so going and getting this watch, I was a little bit scared. Um, but I got it and I was like, okay, well now I have it. So might as well use it. And when we went back to school in January, I'm bored sitting through class, just, you know, flipping through the like screens on the watch. And I see my heart rate and it was concerningly low. And I told my mom, I was like, I don't know. I know athletes have lower heart rates because their heart is in a different like cardiovascular state than other people. But I don't know, just, I want to come to you about this. And she was like, okay, check your heart rate chart, like on the app. And, you know, we need to look into this. And we got home and then my mom took my weight and she's like, Ruby, like you're not running or weightlifting for at least a week. And in my mind, I'm Oh yeah, that's great. Like one week off. I'd been wanting the break, but I obviously didn't give myself permission to take a break. So I was like one week, you know, I'll gain weight. I'll get back to it next week. And that was not the case. I obviously not. I've been off. I was off exercise for four months. And then that first week, you know, I kept, I was very hopeful. I was like one week, one week. And I, I was like, there's no way I'm not gaining weight. You know, I'm not moving at all. I'm, you know, eating the same as I was, 
but I went hypermetabolic and I had no idea that was a thing until a week later I was like, okay, mom, let's go see if I gained weight so I can run again, which mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, if I gain a pound, that's great. You know, I don't right. know what I thought, but <laughs> um, yeah. And I went hypermetabolic and that really like kind of, I realized the gravity of the situation at that moment. Like this is not, we're not just taking a one week break. This is not something that we're just coming to mess around with. Like this is serious. My body's in a very bad physical state um, because of my mental state. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of just like was a moment I was like, okay, I need to do this for me. You know, I need to come to terms with everything. Um, All the things I don't want to come to terms with. I just, I need to accept and move forward with it because how long am I going to keep living the way I was living, you know? And so now I'm about four and a half, almost five months into recovery. Um, yeah. So it hasn't been too long for me, but I I've come a long ways and I I'm not vegan anymore. Um, I felt like that was something that as much as I loved it, it started off totally innocent and everything and wholesome. It's like, disordered eating and veganism became one in my mind and to break that while already facing so much just having an eating disorder I felt like would really hinder my progress in recovery and so I'm just experimenting right now you know living label free I think is good um yeah and just the freedom of you know I can be vegan one day and then I can eat a burger the next there's no like consequences you know Yes, absolutely. I love that because I feel like people on social media are so all or nothing. It's like, oh, like a hundred percent vegan. And then you see them eating something with like honey and they're like, oh my gosh, you're not eating anymore. It's like, no, it's like about balance. Like you can see, yeah, it's it's very all or nothing. And so I really think like finding that balance is so good and just so healthy. Um, yeah, like your post about like dairy yesterday, like people around this community are like, dairy's so bad for you like yeah it's like going into um veganism I I was dairy free before I was fairly dairy free because I'm lactose intolerant yeah and so I wasn't drinking straight up milk and stuff Mm -hmm. but coming out of it I was like you know I like I should try dairy again because the worst thing that can happen is I get a stomach ache for a few hours like and if something hurts my stomach I don't eat it again. Or when I do eat it, I take lactate pills. Like there's no reason to avoid it. And I just think that when people think of these food groups that they're cutting out, they think, oh, like if I have it in my diet again, it needs to be in every meal. You know, I need to be slamming ice cream every day. You don't like you can eat ice cream a few times a week in moderation and it's fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. It's really just like talking about balance and it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be that like, oh my gosh, all or nothing. So absolutely. Oh yeah. That's great. And I also feel like plant-based people think that plant-based means vegan. Um, yeah, it's really not. It just means that you're eating more plants and like, that's fine. And like some days you may eat a lot of plants. Some days you might eat none and that doesn't make you any less plant-based. And so, yeah, yeah I was plant-based for a while and that was definitely something that was a small step I took before I actually started recovery because I started to, I don't know if any other vegans who are like, mm-hmm. who hadn't eaten disorder can relate to this, but I started to dream about fish and eggs. It was like, my body was asking me for those nutrients. Like you need something other than veggies. Yeah. Um, and so I texted my mom about it and she's like, you know, Ruby eat an egg, please. And I was like, okay. So yeah. but 
navigating the kind of the line of like on social media, especially what can I eat as a plant-based eater and not be like looked down upon. And, you know, people are always judging you for, oh, I thought you're plant-based. Why are you eating this? You know? So that was stressful on my part. I was like, how many times can I eat eggs or fish in a week and still call myself plant-based before people are attacking me? So that's another reason having that label, just, you know, I'm just eating like I want to eat. It just takes off all the pressure, especially on social media. Exactly. And that pressure can be such a huge stressor and just like not something that anybody needs in yeah, or not just like in your relationship with food, just it's so there's so much like social media puts so much pressure on people to eat a certain way. And if like t- these labels, they hold so much power, but like they really shouldn't. So yeah. 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 Wow. Thanks for that wisdom. It's uh, a <laughs> <that's> key <laughs> for sure. Um, so when you started recovery, would you say, what would you say? Like, how did running play into it? I know you said it was really hard to give up running, but would you say that was one of your biggest motivators for recovery or like what was your biggest motivator for going? So I'd say going into it, running was definitely the biggest motivator. Um, I think part of that was also sort of a disordered mindset going into it. Like I need to get back to running ASAP. So, you know, I just got to gain weight. Um, But I do have a very like profound love for running. And so that has continued to be a motivator. Um, You know, I have so many, I've had so many appointments with doctors and dietitians and, you know, just like they say, keep going, like you can run soon, but not yet. Keep going, keep going. And that's always been my, okay, one day closer to running if I get through the day as I should. And mm-hmm. um, that's definitely been my number one, but as I've kind of come out of my eating disorder, I've learned there's so much more um, to keep me going in recovery. You know, I have a 95 year old grandma we call her Tata. That's like Aww. Arabic for grandma. And she cooks us, she cooks us a full meal every Tuesday. We go to her house, we eat it with her. And I'm thinking, okay, like she does not have a long time left with us. And if I stay in my eating disorder, you know, I might not have experienced her food for the past five years before she's gone, you know, and yeah. to be able to participate in things like that. And um, I don't know, just living life and because food is such a cultural thing. It's such a relational thing. It's such a social thing. Like, it's not just about, you know, eating picture perfect every day. It's, there's such a balance and flow to it. And it's such a big part of life that as I've gone further into recovery, I've realized, like, I want to recover so that I can be the best version of myself and not, like, spend all my energy worrying about food and you know all of the disordered thinking absolutely the amount of brain space that is freed up when you are actually nourished crazy crazy yeah it is do you dream about like eggs anymore or fish oh no if you don't I mean if you do I mean like no it's (laughs) someone said once that especially in the beginning stages of recovery when you're thinking and dreaming about food you need to eat and so I was in an extreme hunger phase the first couple of months. I would be fine. Like I'd be dreaming all of a sudden in my dream, a food would appear and I'd be eating it. And then I'd wake up like instantaneously and my stomach would growl. It was so strange, but you know, I'd be dreaming. And in my dream, I'd start eating a burrito and I'd wake up like ravenous and I'd go eat cereal. It was really interesting, but you know, now I don't get those dreams with food in my dream. So it just really goes to show like 
food really does take up so much of your brain space when um, you're in an eating disorder. And so coming out of that has been really freeing and nice to just, I honestly do not think I could ever think about food so little, if that makes sense, you know? Like it's, yeah, it takes up a very minimal amount of my brain, which I'm very happy about. Oh, that is so awesome to hear. It's just like, it really is such a huge change. And you can finally like, it's almost like different lenses are put on your eyes and you're like, whoa, like the world is literally brighter. Like it's just so much better. And you can actually like laugh with energy now or just like think more clearly and not be thinking about food all the time, which takes up so much. And then I'm like, well, if you're older and you know, you're coming towards the end of your life, you're not going to want to like look back and say, the only thing I was doing was thinking about food. It's going to be like, yeah, I was nourished and I was living it culturally as fuel for. Yeah. So yeah, that's really cool to like, see how that's all kind of come together for you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then also, so for running and athletics, did you face any like stereotypes, I guess, from healthcare providers about like having HA because a lot oh, of doctors yeah. are like, oh, you're just an active, like, runner, yeah. like young girl. So, um, what, did, what was your experience with that? Yeah. So I, I actually just started my periods like three months before I started running. So it was very brand new to me yeah. and probably three or four months in running, they started to get irregular and then lighter and lighter. And then eventually they stopped. And okay. six months after I started running, around December, I went to see a doctor who specialized in like, um, nutrition because I was vegan at the time. And my mom was thinking, okay, like, let's get your blood works drawn to see if you're low in any, like, you know, iron, calcium, more of the common nutrients found in animals. Mm -hmm. And so we went, got my blood work done and we brought up my missing period. And she goes, oh, you know, like she's young. It's kind of usual to get it irregularly the first year. And so, you know, we brush it off. And then six months later, I go see a sports doctor and he's kind of saying, okay, like obviously your period's gone. Um, You need to gain weight for that. So he addressed it, but I I didn't comply to what he asked to do. And I kept, I've had so many kind of doctor's appointments with random doctors um, just to like get cleared for sports or get this lab done or whatever. And I got, I was getting cleared to do sports um, the beginning of this year and the guy clearing me goes like, wow, you're so athletic, you know, and they always kind of bring up my missing menstrual cycle, like have you had a menstrual cycle? Mm-hmm. And he's, he, what did he say? This kind of really stuck with me. He goes, it's so sad that society frowns upon people who are so athletic, like you when really like the population, I was like, like, what? I knew at that point, I knew I had an eating disorder. I was like, <laughs> bye whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and I just kind of I just kind of looked at my mom and she just kind of looked at me because we both had we both knew that I had HA we both knew I needed a period and I didn't have it we didn't I didn't really address that it was eating disorder related not just under feeling it was kind of everything yeah. um but at that point he said something like that and I was like like I haven't had a period in a year. Like I, that's not healthy. And I know it's not healthy and I'm not going to fix it, but I'm not kidding. No, (laughs) no, for real though. That's like, I feel that. Oh my gosh. That makes me so mad. Like, yeah, it's just the lack of education among um, a lot of general healthcare providers is like quite alarming, I think. And especially as 
like more and more like I don't know I didn't know eating disorders were so so common until I experienced it and all of a sudden I'm in the community and now because I'm so like some people have found my account like from my school um because it's not it's not like well known around my school that I had an eating disorder I mean people could probably guess based off of my kind of trajectory of weight loss weight gain absolutely um and it's not something I'm trying to hide but you know I'm not proclaiming it to the world and people have kind of found my account and said like oh Ruby like I need help my friend my cousin my younger cousin found it and she goes Ruby like how did you recover I found your account my friend has an eating disorder she won't eat and I was just like wow like this is so sad the amount of people that really do have an eating disorder and so the lack of education is just quite yeah it's scary and going to doctors and you know I've heard so many stories on podcasts about girls who have HA they go to a doctor and they're put on the pill and yeah on the pill for years and then they go to have kids and like they don't have a period still it's crazy yeah it's absolutely wild and like also just like going back to the amounts of individuals who have eating disorders it's like also it's nearly tripled since COVID started which is like um crazy yeah it was some study I don't remember the names but I'll have to link it down below but it like looked at all of like the incidents and prevalence of people with eating disorders around the country and it's like tripled and I know a lot of healthcare providers have said like the units in the hospitals have just been filled right now just like yeah absolutely it's just been so I mean it's become more common I'm obviously it's become like more there's been more awareness about eating disorders and stuff since yeah. the pandemic, but also like that's because so many people are developing eating yeah. disorders unfortunately um yeah and yeah you would think that healthcare providers would be more would be better than saying like oh it's sad that society frowns upon you people it's like okay one society does not actually they tend to idolize people with eating yeah. disorders like they do not frown on you yeah uh, and then two it's like this is not healthy. Like, how do you not know general biology? And like, do yeah, you, that's awful. I'm so sorry. Yes. To to <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I know I'm going into like the healthcare area and I am always going to do a comprehensive assessment. Mm-hmm. Of that. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, okay, listen, are your periods regular? What is your activity like? Like, what are you eating? Like, yeah. what? make sure you are healthy. So yeah. Um, and coming with like estrogen too, and, um, HA is like, you know, like low bone density and oh yeah, that a little bit too, with your diagnosis and stuff. If you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with osteoporosis probably three weeks ago, um, which was really sad for me, but mm-hmm. I, I just took time to like cry about it, process it and move on. I was like, you know, I can't change the past, but I can definitely kind of handle what happens next. Um, And so just kind of accepting my situation where I'm at, you know, I can't run right now. I probably won't be able to run for a few more months, a year maybe, but you know, I can bike, I can weight lift, like take each day as it comes. It's kind of just how I'm trying to live right now. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Taking each day as it comes. It's literally just one day at a time. Like we mm-hmm. were not designed to experience the whole world as like one, like it's one single day. And so mm-hmm. I love your outlook and just like taking each day as it comes and appreciating what you can do because that is hard to deal with. And um, I, I'm proud of you though, for creating that. Outlook. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So how did you process that at first? Like, how did you 
kind of develop and cultivate such a positive mindset with your osteoporosis diagnosis? Because it can be really easy to kind of take that and be like, oh, use, you know, old behaviors as a coping pattern or whatever it is. So how did you process that? So I'd say the day I found out, definitely I'd already been having like a pretty bad day in terms of Mm-hmm. I I was hearing stuff I didn't want to hear from like doctors around me and my dietitian and stuff, which, you know, that's part of recovery is just dealing with what you hear and trusting the team of people around you. Um, but it's okay to be upset about it. So I was upset about it. Um, and I was, you know, crying and mad. And then I get the notification that my bone density results are in. And so I looked at it and I didn't know how to read it, you know, because they do it in like like negative yeah I think negative one is also something like that and yeah so I looked it up online and then I like found the chart to read it and then I showed my mom because my mom's a doctor and she read it and I was like so I have osteoporosis right she's like yeah and I was like oh okay well (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) and going like into that bone scan I kind of kind of prepared myself I was like you know I really hope I don't have osteoporosis but also like prepare myself for the worst and hope for the best mm-hmm. and I didn't really have time to like act on that with any behaviors and I'm pretty far past using behaviors you that's- know that's very which I'm glad about that's very rare for me um right. if ever but I had a very busy weekend right after I found out I went camping with my classmates mm-hmm. and so that kind of was a nice way to just like disengage. You know, I was off social media the whole weekend. I was just with my friends and like living life so wholesomely kind of just like that was a moment I truly felt like I am more than an eating disorder and I I can be free of an eating disorder. You know, I'm with my classmates. I'm doing things that are like, I'm doing things other people are doing, you know? Because usually mm-hmm. with eating disorders, you tend to be like, you want to be different sometimes, you know, you want to be special. And I was cooking for my classmates too. So that was a a huge moment. It was like, I can't like act on anything because if there's six girls watching me cook and then all of a sudden they're watching me eat something different, you know? And so just having that time to kind of just like be with nature and not be on social media, I think helped too, because when I have found out hard stuff in recovery and then I go on social media, it kind of gets you in this, I wish when I can, or like, I'm not happy because kind of mindset and you're just comparing. And the more you compare your journey to others, the um, just more unhappy you'll be, the less satisfied. And really I've noticed the days that I'm not on social media as much, like I'm just content with where I'm at because this is my life. And truly everyone else I see is behind a screen living their own life, you know, and I don't know what they don't show. So I just try to keep it all in perspective. And I've kind of learned that with each day, like just trying to focus on what I can do to get through the day um, has helped me deal with having osteoporosis, you know, like I can't run, but I can bike for 20 minutes. So I'm going to bike because I want to show up for myself so that when I can run, like it's good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing all of that. That definitely was hard to hear that news, but like the way that you were able to like 
cope with that and just like step back and look at like the bigger picture is just so beautiful. And that's just, you are wise beyond your years. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. It's just so like, I know so many people would have, I mean, of course not their fault. It's an eating disorder is a mental illness, but you know, they, some people would resort back to old behaviors and just kind of stay in that mindset. But the way that you were able to like really step out and see, um, the bigger picture is just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. Um, so what were the most challenging parts, I guess, of the early phases of recovery, you know, like the meal plan and everything, like getting into it, like how, what were the most difficult things for you? Yeah. So early on in recovery, I think something that was really hard for me mentally and physically, I guess, was just the unknown of it all. Um, mm-hmm. Because recovery, especially when I was looking to people online, people's recovery can go so many different ways. You know, some people go inpatient, some people don't have a team at all. Some people have a team, but they're at home. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect going into it because yes, I can turn to these people to see how their story went, but it's not going to be how my story went because were they a runner Were they vegans previously? You know, did they have a team? Did they not have a team? And so that was really scary, but I kind of just quickly learned like, you know, it's going to unfold how it needs to and the right way if I trust people around me and what's going on. And so that was one thing. And then I'd say another mental part in the beginning stages was like completely letting go of being vegan because that's something still to this day, I wish I could be a vegan and have a healthy mindset around food, but I can't, you know, and that's something I've had to accept and just like veganism will always be there, but recovering from an eating disorder, like now is my time to act, you know, the sooner the better. And in five years, if I can healthily be a vegan, I will do it. But for now, you know, I just got to live what's the right way for me now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It is so cool to see you look at these challenges and see how you can grow from them and how positive things can come from them. And that is just such a huge step, I think, just in life in general, not just recovery to be able to look at that. Um, and so that's really cool. So yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then I will say another hard thing in recovery, the kind of physical part of it was just dealing with such confusing hunger. I don't know who's, some people deal with this, some people don't, but there was times where I'd feel so full, but so hungry still. And I was like, what is going on? You know, going hypermetabolic. I was like, this is weird. My body's doing (laughs) weird stuff right now. And just dealing with all that. And then when I was, when I started working with people and I was put on a meal plan, that was um, initially hard too. just Mm -hmm. getting over that barrier of the amount of food I was eating and just pushing myself to eat more, you know, once you're over it, it was okay, but just getting yeah. over it, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's an uphill battle for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The meals and snacks and the whole, whole structured meal plan. It can be, yeah. be difficult at first. Cause your stomach's not used to it, but yeah. yeah. Once you're over the hill, it's all downhill from there in the yeah. best. <laughs> Oh, cool. So on those really hard days then of recovery, when you just like felt like, oh my gosh, this meal plan is way too much. Like this hunger is so confusing. Like, I don't feel like 
doing this anymore? Like what motivated you to keep going? I know you touched on a couple things earlier, but was there like a mantra in particular that you would use or just like one day at a time? Or what would you say your biggest motivator was to like keep going in those really hard moments? Yeah, so I definitely had lots of those days um, where I wanted to kind of quit, but I... I went through, you know, I think everyone goes through like the short phase where, you know, your body's trying to protect your organs. And so you're not weight redistributed yet. And so in the beginning, the first two months, I kept hearing everyone say, you know, the sooner your body learns to trust you, the sooner your body will even out. And at that point, just any amount of weight on me was like, made me uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. I'd come from an eating disorder. But I was like, you know, if I turn back now, like this will prolong the process. And so That was something like physically that kept me going. But then mentally, um, I was having a conversation with my mom one of these days and she said, there are so many people who are three, four times your age who have problems that they have not addressed for years and years and years. And they live with the problems and they lie around their problems and like they're not living their full potential because they never address something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking, you know, I don't want to live like halfway in an eating disorder for years and years and years you know I'm like I I'm doing this once and once only you know yes (laughs) ma'am yeah sure that's that's great I know if you don't address it when you're young it can really it can stick with you until you're very old and that's just really hard to see so yeah Yeah. I'm a a psych tech at a psychiatric inpatient facility. And when we see old women, you know, in their late stages of life with eating disorders, it just makes me so sad. I'm like, yeah, it breaks my heart. It's like, it's so sad to think they lived that long in this trapped mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. Could you touch a little bit on, I guess, how your relationship with exercise has changed kind of over time and over your life? I know that you said like you started running when you were during like COVID and you, you know, weren't really into it before, but I guess how has your relationship with exercise evolved and changed before, during, and after recovery? And like, how's that going now with like being able to bike and weightlift and stuff? Yeah. So when I was younger, I kind of did I dabbled in all sorts of sports football basketball softball um I ran when I was really young for a little bit I didn't love it so I kind of never had a set like sport I did um Mm -hmm. and I also grew up in a household where exercise was encouraged but it was never forced upon you know like my mom encouraged us to go on family walks or let's run together let's bike together but it was never like a toxic environment where it's teaching you, you have to earn food through exercise. So I'm very grateful that I grew up that way. And then when the pandemic hit, we were all online doing online school. And for PE, we had to like do a log of stuff instead of, I don't know, teaching it on Zoom is a little interesting. So (laughs) she had us do a log (laughs) and I would do like, like 10 minute, you know, workout videos on YouTube, but I'd still have like 20 minutes left to fill. And I was like, well, why don't I just go outside and do something instead of being in my room? Cause I've been here for the past 23 hours. Like, yeah. (laughs) And so I, I started off, I'd walk a bit and then I started to like run, walk, run, walk. And then I ran, I think probably half a mile for the first time. 
And I was like, wow, like this is kind of fun, you know, it's I have nothing else to do. And I started to run further. And my mom has a background. She ran all throughout high school and college and medical school. Um, never competed or anything, but it was just it's her favorite thing in terms of exercise. So she was like, Oh, Ruby, like you're running. And if you like it now, like I'll run with you. So we were both running together two or three miles. And then I was like, mom, you know, like, let's, let's just shoot for the moon. Let's run a half marathon. (laughs) So so, um, we started training together and then my mom had to stop training because her, she was having like neck pain from sitting at work all day and then running. And so I kept running and eventually I, you know, got serious with it as I was training. And then at some point things kind of, my mindset shifted to an unhealthy shift with it. And Mm -hmm. I, I kept going with it. I loved it still, but it was just not healthy. The amount I was running with my fueling, everything and my mindset around food. And then I was still training for half marathon up until November. I ran my first half marathon, um, which was, yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. (laughs) I've definitely have mixed feelings about that day, you know, because I was so praised upon, but I know I was not healthy at that point, but it was such like a euphoric experience. Um, just yeah I don't know I'm so excited to run half marathons and marathons again when I am healthy and my mindset now just around it I know it'll be such a like amazing headspace going into it and it'll be great but that was definitely like a big it just kind of showed me like okay I can I can do this like I love to run um despite the fact I was in an eating disorder then it really like solidified I was like, do I, I kind of questioned, like, am I a runner? That solidified, like, yeah, I'm a runner. And (laughs) and then I was still kind of, I was running still, but I definitely, my body was begging for a break. And so when my mom told me I needed to take a break, it was like a relief, like, good, I have a break. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to jump right back into it in recovery but I'm glad that I physically wasn't allowed to because mentally I needed to take a lot of time off to heal my mindset around it completely. Mm-hmm. And I'd say to heal my mind, it took about three months to be at a total place where it was like just even sort of free in terms of exercise. And there was no stress around what I could or couldn't do that day, what I did or didn't do. There was no compensation. There was, you know, it was, I'm at a point now where like, I'm so grateful I'm able to move. And, you know, the human body like is made to move and it craves movement. And mm-hmm. definitely when I was able to start doing exercise again, about three weeks ago, I'm at a place where I know physically I'm ready and mentally I'm ready. And my mindset has kind of shifted to like, how strong can I be? Um, you know, how can I get better? and enjoy this movement not focusing on numbers or anything like that and you know um I got to do my longest bike today since um since I started 20 minutes not super long but you know it's something um which is exciting and you know I definitely have gone into this knowing that there'll be days where 
even if I wanted to get a workout in, it's not going to happen. And going into it, giving myself grace and just like permission to rest when I need it. Um, but also kind of realizing that as an athlete, I do have kind of specific goals, you know, and so finding the balance between showing up to training to be a better athlete. And I really need a break today. I cannot think I cannot like move. Finding that balance is where I'm trying to be at, you know, and just, yeah, like, I'm honestly just so excited and grateful. I'm clear to do stuff again, even though I can't run. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much good in there. And it's just like, when you really have that mindset of, oh, I get to do this, not I have yeah. to do this, that just changes your world because you're like, right now I could like go run a half mile. Like if you had like six miles on your training plan or whatever for your half marathon and you're like, well, I get to do this. But like, also like if I go in and a half mile in, I'm like, just not feeling it. Like you can turn around, like you have yeah. permission and that's like yeah. a really good place to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's exciting though, about your bike ride today. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, and yeah, another thing too, I feel like about what you were saying about how your half marathon, how it showed like, oh my gosh, like you can be a runner. Like, I think it really just goes also shows you that like, you can do hard things because like yeah. running 13 miles is difficult and it can get painful the last few miles. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think just like having that mindset and what you notice about yourself is that like, I can do hard things. It translated into like what you're doing, what you recovery. Done. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's cool how both kind of go hand in hand. Like your running showed that you can do hard things and get through recovery. And also your recovery showed you can do hard things and also be the best athlete you can be and maintain that healthy relationship with exercise. Yeah. So yeah. That's so cool. They just kind of build off of each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I feel like a lot of um, runners have, or people who recovered from eating disorders become athletes again or runners yeah. because like, yeah you know what it's like, like you can push through hard times and you can say like, oh my gosh, like I, my body went through this and I was able to do it. Like I can be an athlete again and like show, celebrate your body. So you have this grit and I don't know, especially with being an athlete, there's so many times where you don't even get to think about the decision, whether you want to do it or not, you just do it. And Mm -hmm. going into recovery, I was like, you know, don't, don't consult with myself whether I wanted to do it or not. Just do it. You know, that's really how you get through and push through hard things. <laughs> exactly. Like, sometimes it's going to be awful, but like, and hard, but like, it's, yeah, it's part of the process. Exactly. It's not easy. <laughs> no, no. There was this TikTok I saw and it was like, sometimes on your run, like the only thing you're thinking about is the pizza you're going to have after. And like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all right (laughs) it's all about balance (laughs) yeah like realizing that like yes you can be train hard for your athletics and also have that healthy relationship so Mm -hmm. that's really cool to see how it's evolved yeah what do you think um something that you learned about yourself through this process is like the biggest thing Hmm. well I think something I've relearned is that I'm quite spunky and outgoing at times and that's something I almost forgot about myself yeah. um, just because, well, I couldn't exactly control the lack of, you know, 
social stuff going on because the pandemic hit so mm-hmm. that kind of shut us all away but then just as things did start to op- open back up I was still quite shut down with my eating disorder and you know didn't want to socialize I didn't have energy to like be a person <laughs> I don't know yeah. you know I didn't have energy to have a personality and so um coming like out of my eating disorder as I'm further into recovery the more and more events I go to, the more and more people I talk to, I leave those things. And I'm like, wow, like I'm a person again, you know, I'm, I'm like, I do like being around people. That's like the fact that I didn't was because of my eating disorder. That wasn't like me all of a sudden changing in a weird way. Yeah. And then going to that, I think also like, I've definitely learned how to kind of control my day through perspective um in terms of just was it a bad day today was it really that bad though if we think about each thing that happened and put it into perspective you know things only bother you if you let them and kind of navigating emotions through recovery I've learned that you know it's all perspective everything in life happiness is a choice gratitude is a choice like you see happy people, they don't wake up and just be instantly happy. Like they choose it and they choose to let small, like trivial things go and just live life. Absolutely. I love that so much because you like literally happiness does come down to mindset. Like there are people, I mean, if you look across the world, people with the least amount of material things are the happiest. They're the happiest. Yeah. And we like think that, oh, the more stuff we want and or the more stuff that we get, like the happier we'll be type of thing. But it's yeah. like, happiness is a choice. And like, um, like what you're talking about too, there's a term for that in psychology. It's called cognitive diffusion. And whenever you have like a bad thought coming in or like a negative thought, you realize like, it's just a thought. It doesn't mean you have to yeah. act on that thought. It's yeah. like literally thoughts are just thoughts. Like we don't have to act on anything that we think. Mm-hmm. But like we yeah. get to choose and like diffuse, like, you know, and like osmosis and diffusion, we get to diffuse yeah. Yeah. thoughts we want to pursue and want to infiltrate our brain. And the other thoughts are like, okay, no, like if you, then the other thoughts, you're like, okay, you can go away. Like it's just, yeah. you don't have to do anything. So yeah, I, I love that. You kind of found that throughout recovery. It's beautiful. What would you say that your inspiration was the uh, behind your social media account. I know that you said you changed it a lot through TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to so, kind of that? <laughs> my TikTok started off as what I eat in a day is like, not even like good mm. ones. Like some of them, you know, I see, I'm like, okay, like I don't need to be seeing what you eat every day, but like this isn't a bad one necessarily. Yeah. Um, it was like, I, it was one where I wouldn't even show my face. You know, it'd just be like an eight second sound. You just see like the food. I was like, that is so boring to see that every day. Like, <laughs> I don't know where I thought I'd go with that. Um, yeah. and I don't even know what the name was, but it was totally different and everything. And then I started my Instagram a few months later because I was like, well, I should start sharing recipes. And because veganism kind of gave me this love for cooking. And so I was like, you know, there's a lot of stuff, especially within being vegan. I feel like a lot of people who aren't vegan, they just don't know how to cook like tofu and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, like there's a lot of vegan foods that a lot of people are just intimidated by. And I should start like showing how I cook them and stuff. And so I started it as that. And then I kind of 
like threw in a bit of running into my TikTok and Instagram, like, oh yeah, I'm a runner too. Like here's some content about that. And then as I came to terms with the fact I had HA, not even a full eating disorder, just HA, I posted about that, um, mm-hmm. talked about that. And then it kind of evolved as I started recovery. And I was kind of like reflecting back on what are my goals, morals, and values around social media. And I was like, I do not find anything valuable about watching like of some random video where the person's not being themselves. You know, I don't find anything valuable about watching like a 10 second what I eat in a day where they don't show their face. They don't talk. They just show the food in a song. Like that doesn't bring me value. That's not adding to my life. And I was like, I want to be, my content should be a reflection of the content I want to see. And so I, from then on, was like, I just need to be in my most authentic, vulnerable self on social media um, and really just take the pressure off what I should or shouldn't do, what's going to get likes, what's not, like just sharing what I feel like sharing at the moment. And that's kind of how my social media started to, um, I integrated some of like the recovery stuff with it because that's a part of my life. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest with my social media is like, I had an eating disorder and I'm not trying to hide it. Like I want to be myself on there and kind of show everything about me. And so as I've gone through recovery and especially now I see all sorts of different accounts and I'm kind of able to see, you know, what do I not want to post? What I do want to post? um, How is this video adding value to someone? Because when you're on TikTok and Instagram, each time you look at a post or you watch a video, you're taking up time in your life and the -hmm. amount of time that's taken up by just like, I don't know, kind of useless, mindless scrolling of videos that don't have any meaning behind them. I just got exhausted. I was like, I, I don't want my page to be another like useless, you know, inauthentic page. And so when I share, there are some times, you know, I'm just sharing because it's something fun. It's maybe a fun recipe. It's something I ate, like mm-hmm. whatever. But there are also other times where just being real is like my intention with it. For sure. For sure. And that's so great because there are so many Instagram accounts, TikTok accounts that are so fake right now and kind of like what yeah. you posted about like what I eat in the day videos. It's like clearly these people have not addressed the fact that they are struggling and they are posting videos and, you know, other people are copying them and it's not healthy or people do admit that they are struggling and they're, and they're honest about that, but they still post these videos. And it's like, yeah, it's like, we don't need to see, like, if you're struggling, that's great. You're telling us, but we don't need to see every single day how you're struggling. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes like, it's sometimes it's interesting to see one one day of people's lives if they're going through something. You know, you see those like what I in a day with like, you know, they have some autoimmune disease. Those are interesting to see once in a while, but I don't want to see every single day of your autoimmune disease, you know, or something like that. Um, you know, no hate to people going through that, but yeah, eventually sure. there's a point where it's just it's too much on the internet. It's like don't don't share every single thing that's going on. Um and the amount of accounts I see who are 
saying, oh, I'm like losing followers. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like you're not being yourself. You're not being authentic. You're not being vulnerable. You're posting a picture of the meal you ate and saying like, this is what I ate. No one finds value in scrolling through 200 photos of the same meal, you know? Nope. Like they don't. Sorry. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but. Nope. But if people do find value in that, they might need to assess the relationship yeah exactly you know yeah because when I when I think back to my eating disorder I watched so many what I is on YouTube on like everything it's like I think I can't oh I scroll Pinterest too all the time my whole explore page I think back to the last time I scrolled Pinterest out of genuine like just wanting to look at food I can't think of the last time you know and like watching what I eat is. I probably watch on YouTube specifically. Those are more in depth. I maybe watch like two a month when I genuinely want to see that person's like food inspo, but it's not like, you know, it's not a video after video after video thing because I'm not looking to other people for validation to what I should or shouldn't eat. It's just, I can eat what I'm going to eat, you know? Absolutely. That is so awesome because everybody is built so different. Everybody has different genetics. Like why should we compare ourselves on social media? Like how we fuel our bodies? Because like, that's why registered dietitians work with one-on-one people, not Uh groups because like literally everybody's genetic makeup is so different. So what makes us think we should fuel our genetic makeups the same? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Preach. I'm so glad that (laughs) you are, you're kind of stepping away from like the the videos because I yeah I used to watch them all the time and yeah no this is not good (laughs) and you know honestly when I see accounts especially recovery accounts um you know I know it is hard on the exchange meal plan to have variety for some people but like there's a point where we don't want to see the same exact thing every single day like we've seen that breakfast for the past seven days we've seen that lunch we've seen that dinner we've seen those snacks like it gets old, you know, it does. It really does. It's like, and there's, yeah, there's a point where it's not even intentional content. You're just creating it to create it. It's like, okay, well, where's the value behind this? You know, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like if you're just like looking at those accounts for inspo, then you already got the inspo after one day, one video. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to see the whole page when you scroll. Just what are you doing? What are you? Yeah. No. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So true. So true. So I guess kind of shifting gears here, what is a piece of advice you would give to younger Ruby? Oh, start now. Start Start now. now. You know, it's something (laughs) I, I was aware of the problem I had with the missing period. Um, and even before I had really, really bad disordered thoughts, but even just a missing period, I was aware it was a problem. I was listening to so many, you know, educated people. Um, I don't know if you know Danny Sheriff. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's another one like um, Liz King or someone like that. You know, the people with all the HA recovery podcasts, I listened to them. I would be running on the treadmill, listening to a period recovery podcast. And they'd say, don't run fast. It would be 5 a.m. And here I am. I'm like, I should not be doing this, you know? And I always think, you know, I I should start, but like, I don't know if I'm fully ready to start. I mm-hmm. honestly start now because I always 
think back to if I had started a year earlier with addressing my problem, like maybe I would be running right now. Maybe I wouldn't have osteoporosis. I can't change the past, but hopefully I can help other people change their trajectory. Like underfueling an HA is no joke. It seriously is not, you know? Um, and when you're going through it, especially you always think, oh, I'm, I'm the black sheep of the bunch. Like not me, everyone else has osteoporosis from a year of underfueling, but not me. Like I don't, you know, I never imagined I'd have osteoporosis, but you're truly not the black sheep if you have HA. Like, no, you know, yeah. So common. And that's so hard. And like, just saying that, like, you know, you were listening to those podcasts on the treadmill, like, that's okay. Like you did that. And of course you can't change the past. And that was obviously those two things don't go hand in hand, but at the same time, like you were struggling and you didn't know what you were doing and just, it was, yeah so hard and don't be afraid to another thing don't be afraid to reach out to someone in your life um Mm -hmm. I I wish I talked to my mom sooner about what I was actually going through and she's always been like my biggest supporter my best friend going through all of this but you know people truly do care about you and don't be afraid to seek help because you're not weak for getting help with stuff um and do what's right for you in terms of what you need to recover from and your recovery process, because there are so many ways to go about recovery and it's just don't compare how you're going through recovery to other people because that's them and you're you. Absolutely. Comparison is truly the thief of joy. Like, yeah, truly just have grace with yourself and start now. There's really not going to be a perfect time to start, but they're exactly you know Every time is a perfect time if that makes sense yeah, yeah 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 that is great advice great advice and I'm sure you're helping so many people right now so yeah you already are on Instagram oh thank you <laughs> yeah you're welcome so for others I guess would you say for other people or listeners who right now are struggling with HA or underfeeling, would you kind of give that same advice yeah I'd say start now um because you never realize the consequences and gravity until they're right upon you I you know honestly I think back to it and my mom think like has said this too she goes Ruby I'm surprised you didn't just drop like a fly running one day like you know it's like your body is a lot more resilient um when going through things like this and so you think well I haven't had a stress fracture yet you know I'm not mm-hmm. I never had a stress fracture ever and I had HA for like almost two years now, you know? And so it's, you shouldn't be waiting for validation or a sign to start, um, recovering. And yeah, that's, that's my biggest piece of advice. For sure. You are, everybody is worthy of recovery, no matter if you were under feeling for a year or a day, like you are worthy of it. There's no definitive sign. Like physical signs aren't necessarily the reason when it's in your mind or, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. everybody's always worthy because recovery brings so much joy and everybody's worthy of joy and happiness. So, yes. Awesome. So if people wanted to connect with you and reach out, would they DM you through Instagram? What would you say is the best way? Yeah. So my DMs are always open, um, again, at realistically.ruby on Instagram and TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. Also, 
I do have a podcast that I, I'm trying to get guests on and kind of figure that out. Um, I've had a few, I've had solo episodes right now, but that's definitely another way. Anyone can DM me if you have anything I, you want me to talk about. Um, yeah. And I love to connect with people I meet. So, awesome. you know, my DMs are always open. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Sunny side up is the best name ever. I, <laughs> the podcast is awesome. So if you guys are, you know, just doing whatever after listening to this one go hop on hers let's <laughs> <episodes>, hype it up <laughs> that's awesome okay and then I have a couple fun closing questions that I'm doing for all guests so this is like super random but I figure it's kind of a fun fact what is like your ideal like morning routine and your ideal like go-to breakfast food okay so my morning routine um I wake up at 5 a.m which is really early but I have a 7 a.m class so yeah yeah, I have to get up early. I don't have to get up that early technically, but I'm a morning person. I like to take my time. I wake up, I read, I journal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes depending on the day, if I feel like it, I'll do like whatever. I'll do a bike or a strength training in the morning. Sometimes mm-hmm. I do that in the afternoon. Depends on my energy. Mm-hmm. And then I start to get ready and I leave for school at 640. So, you know, <laughs> Not, nice. <laughs> not not super interesting, but it's an early morning routine and I'm I'm just <laughs> trying to be awake at that time of day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. So what's your go-to like breakfast food, would you say? My go-to breakfast is oatmeal. Um of course. it always will be probably. Um yes. I don't know. Something about oats, I I love them. Um I actually discovered overnight oats first. So I'd say those are those are my one true love, but I have a place for all oatmeal in my heart. And I love right now. I love tahini on my oats, um, which I don't know, like with banana, it's really good. And then I mix in some like protein powder with the oats and yogurt and stuff. I don't know. I like to switch it up too, because something about me, I love writing my food. I get bored. If I eat the same like lunch or dinner, the same combination of oatmeal, like more than two days, I'm over it. So Mm-hmm. I switch it up a lot. You know, you could flavor things, all that. So that's probably my go-to. Yeah. That is the beauty of oats too. Is that like, I'm the same way. Like I cannot have the same exact thing every single day. So oats are so nice because you could do baked oats, overnight oats. Yeah. Yeah. So many different flavors. They're so versatile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The toppings, you can add all sorts of different things and change it up. I love them. Oh my gosh. They're so good. They should make like I saw this another TikTok, lol. I spend too much time on this, <laughs> but only funny content. Um, there's like there should be like a chipotle, but like chipotle oats. But like, oh, yeah, that's such a good idea. Meat. I don't even know what we call it, but oh like, oh my goodness, no, or like a smoothie bowl place, but like for oats or like a froyo, like oh, someone needs to start that for real, for real. I think I think wow. Ruby's <laughs> I know that that might be a dream now I think you just yeah. spark something okay okay beautiful <laughs> all right guys in the future go check out her uh, oatmeal bar <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that awesome well thank you again Ruby for coming on today and thank you all for listening Once again I will link her Instagram and TikTok and everything in her podcast down below so Um, go reach out to her if you want to connect. And it was so great to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I love doing this.